Welcome back to Missing. I am Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? Doing great today, Tim. I am very excited to continue this remastered coverage of the Sheila Shepard murder from 1980 in Saratoga Springs, New York. And before we get to that, Tim, we got a little bit of housekeeping to take care of. One item is very important. How are you today? <laughs> Thank you very much for asking. I'm doing great today. Also very excited to continue sharing this remastered edition of our trip to Saratoga Springs, where we spoke with investigators Chris Callahan and Matt Wilson of the Saratoga Springs Police Department. And we were lucky enough to accompany them to certain sites in this crime. And we also had lunch with Sheila's aunt, Terry. And that is what this episode is about. And we're going to play the entire episode in just a moment, including the old intro that we did when we first aired this on Crawl Space Lance. And before we get to that, the aforementioned housekeeping, we have a fundraising event on Wednesday, February 1st. This is for our nonprofit that is run by Bruce Maitland, Private Investigations for the Missing. As most of you know, this is a nonprofit that helps family members investigate the disappearances of their loved ones when they can no longer afford to pay for private investigators on their own. So we want to raise $5,000 by February 3rd, which is National Missing Persons Day. And our final push is, again, Wednesday, February 1st, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tim, we're lining up a whole docket of special guests to come on. They'll talk about some of their more passionate cases. We'll have some fun. We'll raise some money. And hopefully we can reach that $5,000 goal. I can't wait, Lance. This is going to be a fun night as it was the first time we did this just a few months ago. So really hope we get to $5,000 so go to investigationsforthemissing.org and donate if you can, or we'll see you at the live fundraiser or both. And Tim, if people want to hear this episode without the ads, give them that reminder again. Where can they go? There's several places. That's true. If you want to get Missing Premium, which is every single episode of Missing ad-free, and you get our weekly bonus show, if you want Missing Premium, you can now subscribe on Apple Podcasts right in the app, or you can go to missing.supportingcast.com fm and subscribe that way so thank you very much for listening everybody and make sure to check this series out on youtube as well as there's a full video uh this time so thank you very much for listening and we're going to throw it to younger tim and lance now does monday at the office feel like a storm not with microsoft copilot that feeling when copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly it's sunny again when Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Terry Bousseau is, uh, like you said, she's Sheila's aunt, but as we spoke to her, we 
came to realize that she was more like a sister to Sheila. They were similar in age. Uh, Terry was just a little bit older than her, but they were they were close enough where they could go out and they could, uh, you know, enjoy each other's company. And and Terry worked with Sheila. I don't want to say so much to get Sheila's life on track, but Sheila was young. She had a child and she wanted to uh, make sure that everything was in line to uh, provide for her child. And I think Terry helped out with that. And the tragedy is, is that Terry was present at the house when her husband discovered Sheila's body, when he had to climb through the window. And then he came down to let them know that they needed to call the police. And it's really affected uh, Terry to this day. She seems really haunted by it. And she seems really, uh, I guess, adamant on uh, on certain suspects and, and her theories. Yeah, it's a it's a wide ranging interview. Um, we start off with some background, and uh, we do discuss the uh, the day that uh, that Sheila's Sheila's body was found. And uh, yeah, as you said, you, you can definitely tell it affects her. Obviously, um, yeah. it affected her marriage, and um, and so Terry's very open, and uh, she's a, a wonderful person. Really, kind of reminded me of like like a, an aunt or something like that. Like one of my aunts, you know, just really warm and lovely. And she misses her niece. Yeah. And and it's tragic. And uh, so this interview takes place at a restaurant in Saratoga Springs. And it was really cool to sit down with Terry and the two investigators who have picked up the case. Uh, We have investigator Chris Callahan and his partner, Matt Wilson, and they've been working with Terry since they since they started doing this, since they picked up the uh, the Sheila Shepard, you know, baton and started to run with it. And uh, they work so well together. And it was so cool to see them. Uh, have exchanges uh, a, a couple of times it wasn't like Terry really agreed with them but she she certainly wasn't confrontational you know she she would listen right. to them and they would listen to her which was really cool yeah it's great so we're all there at lunch uh, at this restaurant so you may hear some restaurant noises in the background but uh, we do discuss um, a suspect at one point who who Terry considers uh, the most likely and a couple of things come up that uh, that we discuss in later episodes that that may kind of be clues and we're not really quite sure what do you think Lance well I think you know you and I have talked about this and we don't want to come across as uh, Im- impulsive on this uh, and we don't want to make it seem like we're overreacting we we actually want to make sure that we're not overreacting which is why we're doing this uh and it kind of sounds like a tease but we really would like the listeners to listen and and let us know if you hear the same details that we heard that we thought might be uh connected to uh the like directly connected to the murder there are a couple of circumstances that come up and and immediately you and I were, were thinking, well, this could possibly have something to do with it. This could be some sort of connection. And it was really hard to uh, gauge um, because they're good investigators, uh, Chris and Matt. It was hard to gauge, uh, you know, they'll never come out and say, uh, oh, my God, you're right. You know, oh, wow, we never saw that. There, There's a couple of times where they appeared sort of interested in what we were talking about, but we didn't get a good gauge on whether or not we were overreacting about these details, which is why we're presenting it as sort of a tease. We'd like you to listen to it and 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 figure out if you're hearing the same thing that we heard. And Lance, this episode is a different style than the last two episodes in this series. The last two episodes, we kind of played some clips and then, um, you know, introduced the clip um, beforehand. This is a straight interview. But at some point in this series, we are going to have to talk about it, talk it out. Uh, Because so far, what we've played is just our conversations from our trip to Saratoga Springs. So if you have any thoughts on the case, please email them to crawlspacepodcast at gmail.com. And if you have any information, information, please call 518-584- 
888-888-8477. And to reiterate, that's Chris Callahan from the Saratoga Springs Police Department. He is a current investigator along with his partner, Matt Wilson. And I think people are catching on that this is going to be a deep dive, Tim. We're on episode four. And from the trip that we took to Saratoga Springs, New York, I would say we have at least a couple more episodes on this case. That's correct. And uh, this is part one of this conversation with Terry here at the restaurant. Part two will be next. And we also visit Sheila's grave with Terry um, in the next episode. And then we'll talk to a retired investigator, Tom Mitchell, about the case as well. And then, Lance, we're going to do some follow-ups with people like Lee Meller and people who could help us unpack this case. Yeah, as we've been looking into this case and other cases and just, you know, being a part of this community, we see that there's so many people out there that can give us some really good insight, especially if you're not directly involved in it. We keep saying, you know, you get that 30,000 foot view of something. And and if you have the backup knowledge like someone, uh, you know, like Lee Meller or um, even our, our buddies at L.A. Not So Confidential, uh, you know, you can you can really pick people's brains and, and some of the listeners, too. Right. So contribute to this because it seems like a very solvable case. Okay, thank you very much everybody, and uh, we hope you enjoy the interview with Terry. Sheila was, um, she was 10 months old when I met her, and I was 10, so there's 10 years between us, so we were we were very close. Um, they lived right around the corner from where my parents were. She was just kind of a laid-back kid. In Saratoga? Yeah, in Saratoga. They lived on Beacon Street. But mm-hmm. I left and went to Colorado in 80. Mm-hmm. She ended up there. And no, in 70 I went. She ended up there at 15. She um, was going to come out for a little visit. <laughs> and she stayed? No, we got her into school. Um, you know, she she just wanted to come for a little visit and ended up staying for a while. But then she came back here and moved to Germany yeah. with uh, Shep. But she was just, you know, she was laid back. She didn't, wouldn't have hurt anybody. What brought you to Colorado? I was searching for myself. Ah. Okay, that's a good place <laughs> I'm to. I'm still looking. Good place to start. <laughs> but you know, she kind of followed me around because we were close. Um, I don't know if it was the best place for her to be, but she. Um, then she got married. They moved to California. I got a phone call. I'm not happy. Can I come? So she was 20. Mm-hmm. She was just. She was sweet. Just never hurt anybody. Why did you say that? Um, Colorado might not have been the best place for her. Well, because we were partying a lot. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. How long um, did she stay with you in Colorado? The first time she stayed um, maybe eight months. She was going to ninth grade. Mm. We got went and talked to the principal. He said, I've seen a lot of Sheila Van Ness's. We're not going to charge her for this semester because <laughs> she's going to go back home. Oh. She did, but she um, she just was sweet. I don't, you know, I don't know how else to describe her. She wouldn't hurt anybody. Mm. And then she had, you know, she had her little baby, and 
you know, she had some issues, but it it doesn't mean she deserved this. Did she get married in California? Or did she? No, she got married here. She got married he, here. His parents owned uh, Whispering Pines campgrounds. So they had Sheila's baby. And Sheila came back here, was going to Worldwide. She wanted to get her baby back. She wanted to, you know. But she had problems, you know, I mean, but. But I mean, anything more unusual than a regular 22 year old adolescent has you know like yeah right like i mean i think about when i was 22 it's like you could well, we yeah, have this conversation a lot especially so. when you get married at 17. when you have a child you have a child by the time you're 18. yeah, yeah. she um she was young yeah she's just I mean, we're not talking about a career criminal <laughs> yeah we're talking about someone who got fell in, or thought they fell in love had a child yeah marriage before 25. Mm -hmm. That's, it's a lot to deal with. It's like, a lot to deal your with. Your brain's not even fully developed. You don't. So she stayed that time for well, a couple of years till she was 22. She came back here. Phone rang. It was her mother. Why don't you come and visit? So she comes out. She goes, Oh, you know, they want me to visit. And I'm yeah. like, Well, you know, go ahead. So she was only coming for a visit. So I moved back because she was here. So. I was here. She told me I'm not going out with anybody. I'm just trying to get my life together. There's no one in my life. She, like, as far as, like, a relationship? Yeah. That's what she told me? Yeah. Told you in November of 1980? November. Or? I was really? here 10 days. And she was murdered. Um, so I didn't really have an opportunity to to hang out with her at all. What was the, um, <coughs> like, the genesis of that conversation, if you remember? Did you ask her? Do yeah. you have somebody that you're dating here? Yeah, she said, well, she kind of offered the information. Oh, she did? Oh, okay. Because, you know, I was a little protective. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, she said, I'm not seeing anybody. I'm trying to get my life together. And, you know, she was just really happy that I had moved back. <laughs> and I still think she, today we probably would, probably be living over there in the townhouse together because yeah, we yeah. were that close. I, I, I had hoped that she could have gotten her, you know, gotten remarried or whatever. Yeah. Did you know that she was doing the vocational school uh, yes. classes? Yes. Okay. Yes. And she must have immediately started that when she moved back. Mm -hmm. Or pretty close to it. Pretty like close a, to it. Yeah. Um, she seemed uh, happy that she had made the decision to do that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she was getting her life back together. She, she was, was trying going to very. School. She was trying hard, yeah. and you know that's that's who called us. Called Marsha, was that um, one of the girls from Worldwide? Can't remember her name, but that doesn't matter. And said she hadn't been in school in two days. So okay. Marcia, was that Monday and Tuesday? Yeah. So we were heading. We were heading over. Was there anything like your thought process? Uh, that you were trying to connect, like had she said anything beforehand where it would have made sense why she had missed school for two days? Not, or were you thinking like maybe she's sick and she wasn't, no, she just didn't call anybody? I was thinking probably she was partying and would be okay, yeah, okay and she would turn back up. And in Colorado when we sent her, I sent her to beauty school, now that I would say she deliberately did not go. <laughs> no, she didn't like it. <laughs> well, I don't know if she didn't like it, but she didn't have time for that. Gotcha. <laughs> So, you know, 
just trying to get her life together all the time. Yeah. I feel like I feel like people who recognize that they need to get their life together actually sort of have their life together. They realize that it's it might go off the rails if if they, you know, continue well, that. I feel like people who actually don't have their life together don't realize it. I was I was always kind of worried, I yeah. guess I'll say, you know. If I couldn't find her, I'd call my sister Marsha. I'm like, I'm gonna go look one more time. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna yeah. go look one more time. She said, This is the fifth time you've said that. <laughs> but she turned up. You got a call from one of her classmates? Um, Marsha did. I went up there Saturday night, and I thought it was odd that her radio was on because she was paying for electricity, and I know how she thought. She, uh -huh. would, she wouldn't have done that. And then that was, I guess, Sunday night, and I almost sent him up to fire escape then. Who, uh, your husband yeah. at the time? Yeah, that was a good way to start a marriage. Yeah. <laughs> so you heard the radio on on Sunday. I heard the radio on, yeah. and I came down, and I was like, maybe you should go up to fire escape. And I said, no, I'm just being paranoid. So then... What brought you there that early? Just to say, hey. Yeah. I had dropped off her. She had a trunk. So I dropped that off. wanted to make sure she got that. Like a clothing trunk? Yeah, her, some of her stuff in it. All her pictures, which... Yeah, we touched on, on they, earlier some of the family photos. They did not... That's about the only thing that was missing. That and her keys, but I think you have the keys. Yeah, yeah we talked about that, too. Yeah. Um, the trunk that is missing is the one that you... We brought her a trunk on Wednesday. We just put it outside the door because she was in school or oh, somewhere. Okay. And then um, her pictures were in there. She loved showing pictures. This is my baby. This is Colorado. This is, you know, this is my auntie. Um, how big was it? It was big. No, it was a big trunk. Oh. It was. It had clothes in it and oh, okay. stuff she had left in Colorado. But there was a smaller box of photos? Yeah, there was a okay. box of photos. And that was what's missing now? That was what's missing. Okay. So I, we don't have a lot of those pictures. Did she mention anyone close to her at that point? Or not, nothing? <clears throat> no. Not here. Yeah. I mean, I did, she went out. Yeah. But, you know, like, I... I guess when she was walking home, she was went by the hub. Mm -hmm. It's a little, it was a little local dive, and it, Saturday Night Live was on, and she, they said she was by herself, so she walked up to Church Street by herself. She probably done that numerous times. Yeah. Uh -huh. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Kickoff for Super Bowl 34. The Titans Rams 2000 Super Bowl, an instant classic. Hours after the game, two men were stabbed in the street, accused of being in the middle, the greatest linebacker in NFL history. Ray Lewis and two friends are charged with murder. The nation's eyes were glued to their televisions. The trial concluded and the verdicts came back, not guilty. 
what you can learn from all this is that big cases make for big mistakes. Look what happened in O.J. Simpson. And look what happened in Ray Lewis. Lewis went on to have a Hall of Fame career, but questions around that night in Atlanta still remain. So where do you think they're hiding? They know what happened. They know exactly what happened. After 20 years, it's time to get to the bottom line truth. From Tenderfoot TV, I'm Tim Livingston, and this is The Raven. Listen for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. For ad-free listening and early access, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus on tenderfootplus.com. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Thanks to our sponsors, and now we're back to the program. Going back to um, when you went to her apartment, was that Saturday or Sunday? It was Sunday night. Sunday night. It was Saturday night that it happened, Saturday yep. night, early Sunday morning. So that and, was Sunday night. And you went there Sunday night, and you were there with your um, husband at yeah, the time. Yeah, he, he stayed in the car, and I just ran up and knocked on the door. And then Marcia went there Monday, and she said the same thing to me. The radio was on, and I said, she's fine. Let's not be paranoid, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, I know they went to Mitchell, went to Colorado. I knew it wasn't there. But, you know, she just, she was a good girl. And he went back on Tuesday. We went back on Tuesday. Marsha came over to my house and said, will you go with me? You know, we'll go up the fire escape. And I said, okay. And then Chuck at the last minute said, wait a minute, you guys, let me go with you. Or it would have been me. Yeah. Going up. Yeah. With Marsha behind me. Yeah. And yeah. Marsha's Sheila's mom. Yeah. Today's her birthday. <laughs> wow. So, and she lived with them for a while when she got here, and well, she really wasn't, she wasn't doing anything bad, you know? So whose decision was it that um, your husband was to go up the fire escape and you... Me. Yeah, and you and Marcia stayed. We stayed in the down. Car or <clears throat> no, we were standing on the street. Uh-huh. And he went up and he kind of came back out and shook his head and we said, you know, go on in. So we'll call an ambulance or something. I said she's fine. And he went and unlocked the door and came down and he said, you guys can't go up there. Block. He blocked the door. He blocked. He blocked us. The stairway was pretty. It's a pretty wide staircase. Have you been up in there? No, there's somebody living in there now. We, we talked about that. I don't want to be the one to tell the, no. the current tenant no, no, what, no. what happened there. You said that he unlocked the door? Yeah. The front door? Yeah, it was locked. Like the front door to the building? No, to her apartment. To, to her apartment. To her apartment. I don't know what your opinion is, but she knew who it was. I think so. I mean, it's pretty, I think, commonly shared yeah. you know, belief. It's the way the, the place looked. And, and I know he... We had talked one time, and you're like, she's not one. She's going to open a door for, for a stranger. No, you but know, somebody in the hallway and say, you know. But like you said, she did leave the window open for her brother. Mm-hmm. Right. To go in and out. In case he needed a place to. <laughs> yeah. 
to stay for the night? Or? Well, he just, it was just Jimmy. You know, he, she took care of him mm -hmm. yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah, we were also talking about just how it takes a little bit for us to reset our uh, brains to 1980 and oh, how leaving your window open for your brother is It, did, it didn't matter. Nobody yeah. locked their doors here right. back then. Right. You know, we lived right next door. Right next, we, I grew up at 131 Church Street. That was at 125. But we, my mother would give us keys, we'd lose it. So, you know, I mean, it wasn't ever locked. Do you know if other people in her social circle would have known that her window was left unlocked occasionally? Probably. Yeah. But I think they just went right through. I, I think they were there. She yeah. may have left them there, gone out. That was a, a thing she liked to do, to have a couple of drinks and then go out and see what's going on. But um, she didn't really go out. Well, she did go out with a couple of guys in Colorado, but nothing. Nothing. Who called the police? <laughs> we went downstairs and banged on this poor girl's door and it told her to call. In the building? In the building. And did um, she did Sheila have a telephone in her apartment? No. I don't think so. Not that I know of. So, see, I was only here 10 days, so I didn't have enough time to yeah. really hang out with her, be be there. But I know the girl downstairs said somebody was going up in the fire, up and down the fire escape for quite a while. There, there was some friends that I know had used it, had heard about it before, because the one, the the classmates that we talked about that go on, on Monday and then again on Tuesday, they end up telling the teacher who calls um, who calls Marcia. The one girl said she was going to go up the fire escape, yeah. but didn't because she was in a dress. So I, mean, I take that to reason that she knew that that was a you know left open. So if she did, then you know who else does or who else would have used that as a yeah probably you know, as an entrance. Way. A lot of people knew, but my sister Paula went and talked to a channeler one time, and. Uh, they said there's this blonde girl wants to talk. And like a psychic? Yeah. Okay. And Paula said, yeah, okay. She said, tell Auntie that I'm okay now. So she goes, oh, she calls you her Auntie. Paula just said, yeah, okay. Auntie she yeah. was talking okay. about. And um, tell Auntie to keep her doors and windows locked. But you know, I don't know. I, I kind of felt some closure with that, that she was reaching out to say, don't worry, I'm, I'm okay now. Mm -hmm. I'm a whole person. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. So, you had uh, one of the neighbors that was in the same building call the police? Yeah. Okay. And how long before they showed up and what did you guys oh do? Oh my God, minutes. Yeah. Minutes. The ambulance was there, the cop cars were there, and we... um went to get Jim. His, her father was working at the hospital, so we went and got him, and um, he told us to get out of there. So Marcia went, we went and we would talk to her, her sponsor. And we just left. He said, you guys gotta get out of here. And then Chuck stayed. Your husband stayed? Yeah. Then you saw over and over again them on the news bringing her body out was just horrible. 
They showed that on the news. Yeah, recently too. Mm -hmm. Did they do like um, like anniversary, like commemorative? Um, like? We've done a lot of articles over the year. Mm -hmm. Usually, with a milestone like the ten-year one and yeah. the twenty-year one, and then there was the thirty-year one, and, and Jimmy did one. Who's Jim Jr.? Sergeant Shield's Her brother. Her brother. The one that oh, died in the, the motorcycle accident near right. where we were, we were filming earlier. Yeah. You went to the motorcycle accident? No. no. Their hotel where they're staying, though, is, is right near the, the roundabout oh, there, okay. 67. Okay. Yeah. We weren't aware that he had died in a motorcycle accident until this morning. I was waiting for that call, too. <laughs> yeah. You know, you just knew it. And he was pretty active in Sheila's case? Well, no, he was in jail at the time. When, oh. she, when she was killed. When she was yeah, killed. Yeah, afterward, though, he, he... Yeah, he always thought that if he hadn't been in jail, he would have saved her, which is crazy. But it's crazy, but it's understandable. It's understandable. Yeah. And, um... How long had he been in jail at that point? I don't think too long. He was only 17. And that's 17. And it's Sheila's only brother. That's yeah. that's the one yeah. that she left the window open. For. It's the one she left the window yeah. open for. So he always felt kind of responsible for that. That she wouldn't have that window left open if it wasn't for him. But did uh, Chuck tell you anything afterward? Like, how did he describe it to you? He didn't at first, mm -hmm. but then it you know it bothered him so much. He thought that she had been beat up mm -hmm. because, you know, your blood stops moving and but he just said her eyes. I'll never forget her eyes. And she was kind of covered up, but not really. Mm -hmm. And he had to climb over her. From the window. From yeah. the window. So he, he did go get some counseling yeah. for a little while, but marriage was over. <laughs> the marriage was over was before that? Or no, we had just gotten married oh. in September and moved here, and then, you know, Sheila was murdered, and it just yeah. went, it just didn't work. After that, wow. Not because of that, yeah, but it, it certainly didn't help. Promotional issues. Sure. Contributing factor yeah. to mm -hmm. it. Yeah. How, many, uh, how many people have you considered have done this? Have, do you have, do you have, like... Ah, just one. Got an ironclad alibi, though. Mm. I can't say who. No, you can. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <coughs> Her ex. What's his alibi? And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Sometime in the early 80s, REO Speedwagon's airplane made an unannounced middle-of-the-night landing. This is my friend Kyle McLaughlin, the star of Twin Peaks. And he's telling me about how he discovered a real-life Twin Peaks in rural North Carolina, not far from where he filmed Blue Velvet. What was on the plane was copious amounts of drugs coming in from South America. Supposedly, Pablo Escobar went looking for other spots, quiet, out-of-the-way places to bring in his cocaine. My name is Joshua Davis, and I'm an investigative reporter. Kyle and I talk all the time about the strange things we come across. 
But nothing was quite as strange as what we found in Varnumtown, North Carolina. There's crooked cops, brother against brother. Everyone's got a story to tell, but does the truth even exist? Welcome to Varnumtown. Varnumtown is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks to our sponsors, and now we're back to the program. What's his alibi? He was in Long Island. You know, I don't want to say too much, because she has a daughter, and... Yeah. But she wants to know, too. Of course. My mother said, I'll go to my grave knowing it was him. Go to my grave. He came, came to the house, didn't quite act quite right, but it was a shock. And then he came to the funeral home, and he looked at her, and he said, I didn't think it'd be like this. And he said, I'm going to go get some flowers. He left and never came back. Wow. So. And you haven't seen him since? No, he died. Yeah. And I never saw him after that, no. The last time you saw him, he said he was going to go get flowers. Yes. And he never came back. Never came back. Wow. When did he die? I don't know. He was like 39. 1990. Yeah. Mass coronary at 39. He was 39 and he Mm -hmm. had a heart attack? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, he was was the one that we were talking about before the drops right at the the dinner table. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, massive uh, massive heart attack. Was he a uh, significant alcoholic? Yes. Yeah, that's the... Yes. The impression that we've gotten, definitely. What, um, who corroborates the alibi? There were, uh, there were several people that were yeah. talked to out in, um, uh, Patchog, Long Island, which is the, the town that they were at, that, uh, the detectives at the time went out and talked to, and then, uh, Matt and I were just out there in December, went and talked to a lot of the same, uh, guys that had said that they were with him, you know, in 1980, or talked to at the time, and they... You know, they all gave us the same account, and um, you know, they they all pretty much said to to a person like, "I'm not going to cover for a murder," right. and I'm certainly not going to do it 40 years almost later when he's not even alive and yeah. hasn't been for almost 30 years himself. So, if somebody is covering, it's a is a very extensive, you know, cover up, and he's in a He's in a uh, bar that night in Saratoga, or sorry, in Saturday night out there where there's a band playing and they go and they talk to bartenders and people in the band. So it's not even just like his inner circle they talk to. There's all these different, you know, people that are in the area. They're like, yeah, we definitely saw him. And he, you know, he sat right here by the door. And um, how, how long after were they interviewed? Within like, days. Within days, yeah, it wasn't that long. That's, see, I think that's like the first you know, understandably in this case, first one they came yeah, in on is... Yeah. So yeah, they were out there for, I want to say, a couple of days and then had, had him come to Saratoga to be further interviewed and, um, you know, they're out, you know, there's a whole write-up in that case file about people they talked to to trace his, his steps at the time, that weekend. But nobody remembered seeing Sheila out. No, I mean in, in, uh, yeah, in Long in Island, Island, right. But that night... Wait, yeah. say that again? No one remembered seeing Sheila out that night. On Saturday? Yeah. Well, that was the one that um, we were telling these guys yesterday, a big 
part of the problem with the weekend is people's timeline is, it's you know, I, I saw her, but was it Saturday, Saturday night or was it Friday, Friday night or was it at the Golden Grill or was it at, you know, at Sage's? So as soon as there's very little, you know, definitive, somebody saying, like, I saw her at, Desperate at this Annex, time. I think this, she was at. Yeah, they, they knew what the she drank, there. but they didn't know if she was there that night. But. So she could have been remembered uh, if she went there on, like, Thursday or Friday, and then when the places, you know, the management has talked to, maybe they they were like, well, I guess it could have been Saturday. Is that what, yeah. is that what you're saying? Yeah, kind of. They didn't, couldn't, but Marcia saw her that afternoon, Saturday. She said that she was going to go see me. She's going to come to my house that night. And I never saw her. And then there was some talk of a party or... Right, from the downstairs neighbor. Thinks that she hears people upstairs. But I don't think it was Sheila. They, they, you know, they never were able to track anyone down, though, either to say, if okay, if there was this party, if there was this get-together, no one, they can't find anyone who was there who says right. they were there. So was there actually, was there a party? You know, or was it... Her and one other person that they hear, you know, walking around. And but she was in the hub when Saturday. Well, this is what I was told by the bartender. But she was in there. Saturday Night Live was on, and she was alone. And then walked home. And then when she went in, they heard a thump. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's just a, you know, one of those tales yeah, that's come out yeah. after. Like, well, that's it was right from the beginning. The downstairs neighbors? Yeah. They and, heard a thump or a thud. she said Saturday Night Live was on, but... I remember that somebody somebody in the hub does say, I'm watching Saturday Night Live at the bar, but I thought it was they see her walk. They think it's her walking by, not actually in the... Not, not she didn't go in? And that's, so that's puts it in between 11.30 and, and 1 a.m. Yeah. that she would walking downtown or was she walking back? Walking she back walking home. Walking back. And we had a, a pretty good... Um, neighbor witness that thinks that he sees her or does he says it is her he sees walking towards downtown and that was like 9 p.m. ish and they were able to to pin that down as the guy says I'm watching this movie The Car mm -hmm. it was like a made for TV movie or something and then uh, Tom Mitchell the detective he goes yeah I remember the time I was watching it too I was home before I got you know called in for whatever not this but something else so that was like between 8 and 10 that she'd be walking towards the bar district and then you know, sometime between 11.30 and 1, walking back towards the apartment. It wouldn't be unusual for her to go out by herself. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.